Welcome to another Simply Beer podcast. Uh, it's no longer a beer brawl. I decided to ditch that that name since uh, yeah, I guess for the last couple we haven't actually tried to pit beers against each other. We've just been trying to find some fun beers to drink. Hey, we can always do another one of those uh, Oktoberfest yeah, blinds. Blind. <laughs> I think if we do a brawl, it's going to have to be blind. I think that's the only fair way to do it from going forward. But uh, from now on, we're just going to do podcast and. Uh, not pit beers once against each other. <laughs> and especially with this lineup we got tonight, all uh, American spontaneous fermentation. It's, it's going to get interesting. So uh, with us tonight, hosting us tonight, is Mike Carino, is head chef and owner of Passion A Restaurant, Montclair, New Jersey. How you doing? And then we have John Hoyas. John is from Hunterdon Distributing. Hola. Hola. And Kevin Malavarga. And Kevin is joining us once again, as always, from the liquor outlet, Bootin. <laughs> Slash Booze World. Slash, yes, new name now, Booze World. <laughs> Soon to be Booze World. <laughs> and then a uh, special guest tonight, we have uh, Eric Ottaway, who's a general manager at Brooklyn Brewery. And uh, he's decided to come and taste some beer with us tonight. So Absolutely. Couldn't welcome. resist. I know Rob Todd from Malagash Well, so three of these beers like this, I thought I'd come give him a shout out so. it's hard to pass up right. <laughs> so tonight um, we were gonna have six beers but we're down to five they're all gonna be examples of American spontaneous fermentation um, basically which is a style of beer many um, call them goose lambics uh, so forth traditionally from Belgium they are usually inoculated with airborne yeast they're not necessarily culture using cultured yeasts in these beers to ferment them uh, so usually the typical Belgian method has been a cool ship, which is basically a giant open container. It's a probably 12, 15 feet long and 8 feet wide and about a foot deep, so you get a lot of surface area. And they use that to cool the beer and then inoculate the beer by opening up the windows and letting whatever's out there come in and uh, feast on the beer. Uh, so tonight we're going to be doing two American examples, two from Russian River and three from Allagash. The other company or brewery currently doing uh, spontaneous fermentation is Jolly Pumpkin. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get a bottle of the uh, Alambicus Dexterous. That is the only other one that's um, actually done the same way Allagash is doing their beers. But each one, if you look at how they do them, they all do it differently. So we'll first talk about uh, a little bit about Jolly Pumpkin because we don't have to, we're not here to drink that one. We don't have it, um, but basically they use an open cool ship. Um, they allow the the yeast to inoculate by opening the windows and so forth. And um, Ron Jeffries, it was his idea when he opened the brewery to be the first American brewery making lambics gooses. And uh, the one of the things you will notice is none of these breweries actually call them lambics gooses. Kind of the same way. That champagne, uh, part of the Madrid Pact, is only allowed to be called champagne if it's in champagne. So, kind of in a way to honor that, they've they've called them, you know, either spontaneous beers, uh, not even named them. Sour cool ales. Sour ales, <laughs> wild ales, American wild ales, um, you name it, that's what they've done. So, we can't try Jolly Pumpkin, but it is an example. So, let's move on uh, to our first beer of the night. Uh, which is the probably the youngest of all the beers we have here tonight. This is batch three of Russian River's beatification. Russian River decided to do their spontaneous fermentation slightly different than uh, a lot of the Belgian brewers have. They basically took old uh, oak barrels and used you know whatever had been brewed in there over the last, you know, however many batches, till basically there was no flavor left from the oak um, or whatever was in there before, except for all the bugs, bacteria. Um, and they put 
uninoculated wort into those uh, barrels and they ferment them in the barrels, which is slightly different from the way Jolly Pumpkin and uh, Allagash are doing it by using a, a cool shit method. Cheers, guys. Cheers. <clears throat> so a little bit about this beer. It's about, uh, it's just under 6% alcohol and it's a blend of two different spontaneous beers, one from 2007 and one from 2008, and it was bottled uh, about a year and a half ago. So it's been in the bottle for a year and a half, and you can see in here there's a lot of sediment and yeast around the lip of the, uh, the bottle. So what do you guys think so far? It's wild. The nose is kind of hard to decipher. <clears throat> I mean, you definitely it's it's that, almost got like a lemongrass kind yeah, of. Yeah, you get, definitely get that sour lemon on yeah. the nose. But. Now, uh, Russian River, they described this beer as funky aroma with strong notes of grapefruit and funk. So it's pretty <laughs> pretty generic. And, you know, these beers, they're, they're wild beers. They're alive. They're alive in the bottle. And, you know, when they wrote this, that might have been the flavors that they were getting in over a year. I'm sure this beer will change in flavor a little bit. It doesn't have uh, as funky a nose as some of the sort of the Belgian because it's, but it uh, flavor profile wise, I think it's, it's pretty certainly pretty close to what you might expect from like a you know it's got a lot of that funkiness and kind of dry grass and a little wet horse blanket, a little you know yeah. all that kind of different stuff that gets mixed in with these. Definitely a very strong sour sour lemon is like. The big flavor right up front. Gets it right, right in the throat, you know. Yeah, take a couple sips to my mouth get used to it. These are always my favorite beers to drink right before a meal. These are definitely good. It's a perfect aperitif because it's so dry and astringent that it kind of just, mm -hmm. you know, like my mouth is already watering, which is preparing yourself to eat basically. And one of one of the big flavor characteristics that you get out of American IPAs is red grapefruit juice. Mm -hmm. This one here is white grapefruit, the really strong, yeah, bitter, um, and and this beer is actually fairly bitter, even though it is is very sour as well. But uh, the bitterness comes through, and that grapefruit that they described in there. I don't pick up much of the oak at all. I don't think it seems to be getting much sort of flavor from it. I guess they're really just using it primarily for the. I think it's just a vessel. Yeah, just yeah. a vessel to. Yeah, because there is mm -hmm. convey those yeast. No sense of oak. What do you think about it, Mike? Well, anytime I ever drink anything, I have to think of it from a food standpoint. I definitely got that white grapefruit. I smell apricot and like raw almond and Thai basil. And it smells like a wet, a wet baseball bat. Mm -hmm. Wet baseball bat. So like, like the barrels. I could imagine that. You know, what's the barrel held together with? Oak. No. What's the wood held together with? Oh, you know, they're, they're those metal straps. Stra metal straps, yeah. And you get like a wet metal kind of, you know, like, think about when you're playing baseball in the rain when you're a kid. That aluminum bat, what your hand <laughs> smells like after you get up. That's kind of what I'm... I can see throwing this down some fresh oysters. Oh, yeah. Something not too sweet, but something briny and salty yeah. would be really exactly. good. Fresh oysters or even some uh, raw fish, you know, kind of sliced like, thin, yeah. a little lemon, maybe a little fennel on it. Yeah. I'm getting hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even something with some soy to get some salt. Yeah, see that? It's nice to have a, a usually in these we've just, you know, beer geeked it. It's yeah. nice to have a, a new a new um, opinion, you know, coming from a different direction. I definitely get that spice now you're talking about, like the Thai basil. Kind of funny, that method of suggestion. You start looking for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, often there are a lot of sort of flavors and scents that you recognize that there's something different there but you can't quite identify what it is and once you're prompted then it totally makes sense it's a nice thing about drinking with the same thing with a whole bunch of different people very dry just keep licking the front of my teeth mm -hmm. and this is batch three this is batch three yeah i kind of love that i have to really take my time to drink this it forces <laughs> me to enjoy it more. like this is not something you could sit there and you know, guzzle down like a. Uh, so this is definitely one to. Did you ever eat, eat a peach before it was ripe? When it was still rock hard. Yep. No. Yep. I can no. never get. I can never get past. It's got a little it bit of that. 
that's you know, I just, every time I you do know? that and yeah. I get stuck on the uh, the pit, so I never would. I'm talking before, like it sh- before it should have even been picked. You have that. Yeah, it's got that kind of sour, raw, yeah, yeah, kind of feel to it. So I bet if you ate this with a super or drank this with a super super ripe peach, that would really set it off. Because then you have com- two complete ends of fruity sweet. You know, not well, you'd almost be making like a fruit lime in your mouth. You know, you'd yeah. Sort of be you'd, you'd have that super sour tannic terroir, and then you'd have that really right. sweet. Well, it's it's kind of funny you say that. I mean, uh, uh, you take some of these um, base beers and. Uh, they do add fruit to a lot of them. We'll mm-hmm. get to see a couple later on. We'll get to taste, you know, the straight and then with fruit added. And one of the big <laughs> ones is peach. Really? You know, that... Uh, why is it? Why is that? Probably because it's a nice combination of flavor, you know. I mean, why do they add fruits or why peach? How about both? Let's start with why do they <laughs> add fruit? I, th- I think it's probably primarily for a very practical reason that most people can't drink this. Right. Um, to sweeten it, then would but be. you sweeten it up, okay. then it, it uh, becomes you know much more versatile, either as an aperitif or almost even as a as more a generally accepted. Yeah, thing. exactly. It broadens out its appeal. Okay, and then why peach more often than anything else? Actually, I don't think peach is one of the most common. It's not one of the most common, but it yeah. is you know one of the ones that is being made. Right. I mean, as opposed to like strawberry or kiwi, yeah, yeah. you know, you know something like that. And I'm like super amateur compared to you guys, but I have seen that peach landbank. Uh, Linderman's, yeah. Linderman's also of his friend was. I mean, the, the raspberry is. I mean, in this country, certainly Linderman's is ninety percent of the market, um, by far the biggest. Up. And those and are the, and those, the friend was those, the most those are those are really kind of geared towards. Um, it's much more sweet tooth? market. Yeah, 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 they're very sweet. <laughs> yeah, they're they're extremely catchy. sweet, they're very and sweet. you know. Almost to the point of being like they're almost the schnapps. opposite of this. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like schnapps sweet. I mean, it's yeah, it really, really is. It, you know, it's like sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, see, when you made the comment before about peach, I almost thought of like Nicolas Cage saying, "Yep, you know, I could drink a beatification for hours." <laughs> 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 There's a nice spice on this. You you were talking Thai basil. I'm not sure if that's what it is, but in the in the mouth, on the kind of back sides of your teeth, there's like this little spice note. I don't know. I can't. I don't have the uh, the you know culinary vocabulary to you know almost, accompany it. But it's like a like a it's almost a earth, like, it's almost like coriander, like a cilantro kind of feel. Yeah, something like that. Something along those lines. I'm de- I'm, I, I see what you're talking about. I see that that little spice characteristic. And yeah, it's I, I can't put my finger on it. Well, it almost be like a touch of black pepper, you know? Yeah, maybe. Just like a hint of black pepper in the end there. So but I think that can almost come from that like that that um, kind of Thai basil flavor you guys were talking about, which has in and of itself a little bit of a hint, kind of a slightly black mm. peppery taste to it. Yeah, but it's, it, to, to me, I'm getting like more of a. Um, like an herbal, I don't want to say medicinal, but it's like an herbal spice, not necessarily like a, a spicy spice. And I wish I could put my finger on it. Y'all looking at me like, all right, <laughs> clue us in. <laughs> a little more? Yes, yeah, I want to try to figure it out. I don't taste the basil. I smell the basil. Mike has uh, generously put out this spread of cheese and, uh, and bread. Did you make the bread? Yes. Yeah, that's good for oh. Nice focaccia. But you get some sort of spice back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least I know I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Well. Okay, maybe a little crazy. i say it's a good way to start out. Yeah, I won't. Now, uh, according to uh, Russian River, this is the um, less sour of the two. Hmm. That's the nice thing about, you know, sort of... Or sour beers or lambics or whatever you want to call them because is that uh, they don't actually destroy your palate they do the opposite they really kind of because they're so dry and astringent they really clean your palate which is why it's one of my favorite things so like I said before to drink before a meal you're ready to go yeah it's like a nice like kind of a Campari if we were you know eight seventy year old uh, Italian men <laughs> <laughs> 
So I can picture you as a 70-year-old Italian. Well, they're going to make it 70 years. <laughs> All right. Here's batch two. And uh, the last one we drank was a 750. And uh, the reason why it's actually in a 750 was the uh, 375s got too expensive for um, Russian River to uh, produce two years ago. And they've actually moved back now to a, a new shape 375. Uh, Russian River, Lost Abbey, and um, Pizza Port. They, uh, Port Brewing. Yeah, Port Brewing. They um, all went together and, and uh, got a, uh, a glass mold made that they share. Well, they used to share yeah. this one, right? Because I know a lot of the Lost Abbey ones, and uh, yeah. I've, I've had a couple bottles of older viscosity that came in that shape. Mm -hmm. So this is the uh, older batch two. Have to be a little bit conservative. It's a smaller bottle. <laughs> Brighter in color almost, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, right away you know the difference in the nose too. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, I got a little bit of yeast in the bottom. This almost makes you want to no. sing. Uh, no. Do you want some of mine? No, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a bit brighter and orange, oranger, orangier. Yeah, much brighter. More orangey. More orangey. <laughs> <laughs> really? The, uh, the aroma is a lot more subdued than I, I think in the last one. Yeah, what's the difference in age between these two? This is like a year old? Yeah, so this one here, it's 6% uh, alcohol. Um, it was brewed with two batches, a blend of two batches, uh, one from July of 06 and another one from January of 07. It was bottled in 2008. So it's about a year older than the last one we had. So it's got a lot more time to settle and kind of mellow out. Mm -hmm. Whereas the last one had that very strong lemon and, and herbal aroma. This one's a lot more. This still has it, but certainly not to the same strength. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's what you almost would expect from a slightly older version of the mm. of the first one. Is that a lot of the flavors are more are muted, a little bit more yeah. muted and rounded off. It's a little smoother. Mm -hmm. You know, by comparison, the first one was almost maybe slightly harsh. You know, um, I wouldn't have said that of the first beer by you know just by itself. By itself yeah. But you put them side by side, and the first one seems a little harsher, and this is a little right. more smoother. But again, that's kind of a pretty normal aging process. With the last one had several different kind of stages of the flavor, I think. And this one is really kind of just flows sour almost all the way through. And, and then it lingers. It, it seems has a thicker mouthfeel than the last one. And it kind of stays on your on your cheeks and your in your teeth a little bit longer. This one, the, the grapefruit's almost gone. It's almost all lemon on this. Yeah. Even in the finish, mm -hmm. I feel like the lemon like just sticking to like the inside of my lips. It's a bit more almost leathery. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm finding this one has a lot less finish than the first one. As far as flavor, or yeah, like my first sip, I was almost like I got a first half, and then it was it just vanished. I was like, whoa, where'd the beer go? And um, And I think part of that's because, like you said, a lot of that sort of that powerful sour grapefruit is, is seems to be largely diminished in here, and so it's kind yeah. of cutting off much faster. Yeah. And really, with a, a small sip, it, it diminishes quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, if you get a, a light, slightly larger slip that actually may take two small swallows, then it will last a lot longer. Very interesting. But unless these, you can tell their cousins, I mean, they're yeah. I mean, it's it's great to have these side by side and see how a year changes them. I mean, the the one thing to note here is that um, these two these two beers didn't have the same blends in them. So the two beers that were blended in batch three um, were completely different from the two beers that were blended in batch two. I mean, there's a lot of room for change and so forth mm -hmm. in between them and especially when you're dealing with something that's completely spontaneous you know who knows what's going to happen in the barrels it's it's really cool to to taste them side by side and see how different and similar they are at the same time 
I would almost like this a little bit better with food, I think. I don't want to say it seems more refined. It is mellower, to, to use your term, and it might actually work fairly well with... I'm even thinking like like a salad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salad with like a lemon dressing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my wife oh, makes this salad, salad with lemon dressing. Yeah, okay. something light, crisp tart. Almost use this as like a part of a vinaigrette. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if Goodbye. I actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're serving up some nice goat cheese and you have a, you have a lot of other nice nice ingredients going into it, this would be real nice. Actually, it's an interesting concept. I wonder how that would pair up. A little olive oil, salt, pepper, shake it up. And at thirty-five dollars a plate. <laughs> Mike, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want with your food cost on that one. <laughs> you ever have a kefir lime leaves? No. They're used in Thai cooking. <laughs> or um, there's a fruit called, uh, you know what a kumquat is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they, there's actually something called a lime quat. And it's, um, it's kind of a, a similar flavor to the kefir lime leaves. Hmm. I would like something spicy with this. Like with coconut, maybe coconut milk and like a Thai sauce or or something, or f- but fish, not meat, like shrimp or scallop. Mm-hmm. Scallop, scallop. Because it's, it's still nice and light, but it's got <laughs> you know a little spice. I think it because because well, I'm tasting lime. I mean, again, everybody's different, but I think coconut will go dynamite because I'm tasting lime. You get this would definitely get that sharp citrus yeah. flavor in here, whether it's lemon or like, lime. Like or if you chew on the lime, the rind of a, of a lime quad. Yeah. Kind of, oh yeah, you know I did that last weekend. I mean... Crack down lime quad. No, even just thinking of a kumquat though, I mean a kumquat has that, the, the rind itself is, you know, it's that fairly bitter quality. Little, yeah, a little stringent. And uh, kind of dry. Yeah. I mean dry, not in terms of wet versus dry, but almost versus dry astringent. Right. Yeah. Now, how hard are these two to come by? See, you know, we're here uh, on the East Coast. Well, you know, I, I, first of all, I should really should thank the you know the person who got me these. And uh, I have a, a buddy I trade beer with in, in Colorado. This one really has a very even flavor all the way through. Yeah. And then it just kind of drops out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that aging process, right? All the sort of the blunt edges get rounded off. Yeah. So. But even so, it's still... Whereas the first one continued to have flavor in your mouth and lingered on your tongue and your cheeks, and this one really is kind of not mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the back half is much more muted. You know, but once again, I mean, it's not a beer I've turned down. <laughs> no, in some ways, it's almost, it's almost better. It's almost a compliment in this sense because yeah. the first one was so... You know, by comparison, so much stronger. And that Russian River does make, or did make, um, a batch one and a pre-batch one. Um, and both of those were um, actually used uh, uh, Belgian yeast strains and champagne yeast to finish off the beer. They were sour beers still, but they weren't uh, spontaneously fermented. Mm-hmm. So the only two beers that they've done that have been completely spontaneous have been two and three, whereas one and pre-one um, had a little bit of, of Brett and Lacto happening in it, but it was after, you know, the beer had already been fermented once. So just a note for people who are asking, so why didn't you get batch one? Um, which is actually still available. You can still, you know, find it on eBay and places like that if you want to pay, you know, $100 for a 375 milliliter bottle, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I would like to, to thank the guy who, who sent me these beers. Uh, beer, a guy I tried with in California or Colorado, who sent me the uh, barrel aged hibernation that we had mm-hmm. at the last podcast. Um, he's been sending me beers from Avery and Great Divide, and found these for me and sent them over. So thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much, Scott. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of speaking of eBay, I'm looking on eBay the other day. Uh, now, Dark Lord comes out when this Saturday. Yep. Oh, I'll be there. But uh, <laughs> so, um, 
they did a little, little funny thing happened. Somehow somebody went and put a new one for sale on eBay already. Last week. Pre-sale? After pre no, no, on sale. I mean, you could, you'll have it before. It was the first time anybody had a chance to see what the bottle looks like this year. So it's got green wax and all that stuff. Were, it was verified by people who took the tour and took pictures of the actual bottles being bottled, so we, we know it's the right color of wax. The guy's got it for sale on eBay. It was up to $900 after two days. What? Can't you, can't you wait 10 days? You'll have it in your hand. In 10 days, you'll pay 15 bucks. You know? It's ridiculous. I mean, the amount of money people are asking for stuff on eBay is insane. I mean... Partridge in a pear tree, 300 bucks. Yeah, I, I saw last... I, I love looking on eBay and watching these things go. And um, You know, I, I do buy some beers on eBay, but I'm going to pay. You know, some guy was off, wanted uh, $200 for a bag of Allagash Vagabond. 200 bucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I'd love to have another bottle of it, but not at two hundred dollars. Thank you. He's oh. counting on the person who's never had it. Well, that, I mean, yeah. the thing is, nobody bought it. Right. You know, so I mean, people are smart enough. I mean, what did that bottle sell for originally at the brewery? Um, ten dollars. Ten dollars, and this guy wants twenty times that. Yeah, I, I think pretty much everything that Allagash has sold out of the brewery has been, I think, at ten dollars, ten or fifteen dollars, which is quite reasonable for for that. I mean, it's a the Vagabond was a was it on oak for four years or something. I mean, that's a pretty significant investment in a beer. And then to turn around and only sell 500 bottles at $10 a piece, I mean, you're losing money. I mean, you can probably verify that better mm -hmm. than the rest of us. But, I mean, there's no way they could have made any money from from those sales. And yeah, it's good, it's good press. They're making money. They're, you know, yes. But on that particular beer, they're not making any money. Yeah. Yes, the brand loyalty and getting people to come and, you know, you know, notching up the recognition of the name, yes, it is something. But. Well, what I'd like to know is, if, like, you look at a report from that day, everybody got two bottles of Vagabond, right? Yeah. Does anybody know how many different bottles of Double and Triple were sold from the brewery that day? And you know, people, people are like, well, I'm going to get two bottles, but I need something I'm going to drink right now. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll, I'll take three bottles of Curio and a bottle of, uh, you know, Triple. Okay. Let's move on to the next one here. Next, we're gonna do the uh, three Allagash Cool Ship beers, uh, which Rob Todd from Allagash was nice enough to send me uh, for this podcast. So thank you, Rob, and Jason as well. Uh, Jason's their uh, brewmaster. Uh, I talked to Jason yesterday, and he gave me the lowdown on all the beers here. So hopefully I can do them justice. Um, so they wanted to brew their spontaneous beers um, in a traditional Belgian fashion, meaning they don't do a sour mash, uh, which is what actually um, Russian River does before they actually um, put the, the beer into the barrels. Um, they completely inoculate the, the wort in these giant stainless steel, it's almost like a bathtub little bathtub <laughs> big bathtub <laughs> uh, and then they open up the windows and they, they've kind of figured out they can pretty much do it twice a year they try not to get the temperature over 50 degrees during the day and under freezing at night and so it's in Portland Maine about two days out of the year they can do that <laughs> small uh, window in the spring and small window in the fall exactly so basically their process uh, they do a, a turbid mash um, which is an extremely complicated and time-consuming way to make beer. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of decoction mashing in, in beer. Uh, it's kind of like that. You take the grains and you heat the grains up and add the grains back to the, to the mash. Here, you're actually taking the liquid out, bringing it up to a boil, adding it back in, taking more out, bringing it up to a boil, adding it back in until you... Goodness you just notch up the temperature a little bit by little bit until you reach kind of a, a setting temperature. Um, I'm not sure what, he didn't say what that temperature was. Um, and then they basically sparge it with almost boiling water and it really gets a lot of um, proteins and dextrins and amino acids out of the wheat that they're using. And then it's like a four or five hour boil after that process. Um, using aged hops, 
Uh, basically, hops and beer, they give you the aging, allow you to age the beer, gives it some properties so that the beer will stick around. But with these beers, you don't actually want the flavors that the hops give. You just want those properties to be able to make the beer last more than a couple months. So after that's all done, you know, then it sits in the cool ship overnight um, where it's inoculated, cooled down, and then I think he says it takes about 15 or 18 hours before it actually gets down from that near boiling to you know about 70 degrees when they can move it back into their tanks. Um, and so that's kind of the, the basic process and then it sits. So the first one we're going to try is their Resurgum. Uh, it's basically a blend of 40% two-year-old Lambic, or sorry, spontaneous beer. They're, they're very particular about not using the term Lambic, more so than a lot of other brewers are. Um, they want to use the term spontaneous. So, And then 40% 18-month-old, and then 20% 6-month-old. And the only reason why they actually use the 6-month-old in the beer was to actually is it actually still a sugar left in it right. and it will carbonate the beer and you know create that the carbonation and the pressure so poisoning yeah so this is named after portland the motto of portland is to rise again portland maine which is what resurgent means to rise again for those of you who don't know allagash is very much set on community and being local using local ingredients as much as they can giving back to the local community so a lot of this common note you'll see through these cool ship beers is references back to local community um, Portland so I, I got some tasting notes from from uh, Jason on this beer but uh, I'll let you guys sample it and see what you think oh, much sweeter nose than the Russian River it's the first thing that hits me yeah, right off the bat. Like a sweet yeast. Tropical. Mm. Very different. Very different from the last two that we've had. Almost like not quite ripe passion fruit. You know, just like a tiny bit of huh? tropical kind yeah. of edge to it, right? It's not it's not real powerful, it's just, just a little bit. When I was talking to Jason yesterday, he described it as bitter, silky, dry. And tropical. Sounds like my dream moment. <laughs> Bitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of a, a, a weird combination of, I don't know, a- adjectives. You know, especially when you're talking silky and the style of beer. Uh, but one of the things he said was the um, the hops they used were not aged as long as they probably would have liked had they been able to go back and do it again and he said it gave them it gave it a, a bit of a different mouthfeel mm-hmm. and uh, they get that thin. long bitterness on the back and there's actually a bit of a hot bitterness on it the very light carbonation actually works for this beer I think it doesn't hurt it but it has almost like a steely flavor kind of like yeah. a steel you know like a that wet aluminum bat <laughs> I get that again. Or an irony, even. Like, yeah. Like yeah. I cut my finger and it was stuck in the blood. Yeah, it really lasts on the on the finish. That the oxidized that flavor. Yeah. yeah. I think the um, when you describe that silkiness, I think that lack of carbonation is really what's kind of doing it in this beer. So it's giving it that kind of smooth smoothness to it. Whereas the I think having more bubbles. I mean, it would play more on your tongue if it had the bubbles, but yeah, it's fine where it is. It's not super sour. It's very um, tart, more than sour, I think. Like that fruit tartiness. That's very interesting, though. I'm interested to see how this is going to translate into the fruit ones. We're going to try in a minute. The bitterness actually really comes through more in the finish, I find. Yeah, but it's not a bitterness from the fruit. It, it seems like more what we're used to when dealing with a lot of hops and those bitternesses. I guess that's one of the things that uh, they're working out, trying to figure out is how to actually get the carbonation in these beers with the blending of them and not actually adding 
anything additional to to carbonate the beer. You know, they they said it's all a trial and error. Um, if you actually look at the cap, it says number two on it. They actually have eleven different blends. So they have three. They said they had three or four of this um, with different, slightly different percentages. Um, trying to figure out a good way to 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 blend the beers together. Same with the the other two that we're going to try. The it's a learning game for them right now. Um, Do you know if you went up to the brewery, could you buy these? No, no, no. Uh, he said there's I think uh, thirty six bottles of it. Oh wow! So I mean, you're talking about <laughs> rare beer. Um, <laughs> but you know they're they're doing this every year. They're getting more and more accustomed to what it takes to to make these. I hinted at maybe in a couple years they might be able to do some sort of brewery release of it maybe mm. that's what they want to do whether or not they have quantity enough you know by then to do it and one of the other things he was saying was adding another like a four-year-old to it to to get a little bit more depth to the beer is one of the things he was saying that uh, he wanted to try to do um, you know but they're in their infancy oh, I sure. mean these guys have only been doing it for a couple years and this is the second blend of all of them right yeah, like they have. Like this is two, so that's threes over there, nines over there. Well, no, they blend. They all at the same time. I mean, like, oh. so so number one is they did it, you know, same week or whatever, just slightly different percentages yeah. of the beer. Um, so they felt that this one of of the three or four was the best blend that they had. There's like a dozen of them, right? Yeah, there's eleven. So of them. we've got three out of the eleven. Right. So there's three of the. Goose style, yeah, you know, straight blends, um, and there's uh, three of the cherry and three of the raspberry. Mm. That's 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 neat. It's it's cool that they're that they're doing this because yeah, you know if they they get it right eventually. Say 10, 12, 15, 20 years from now, they might put the be enough make enough to put it into a seven fifty. You might see it on a shelf somewhere. You know, like you see <laughs> like you see goose and you see a lot of this other stuff. Yeah. But you have to, I mean, this is what a lot of people thought could never be done. Nobody thought that you could actually make this kind of beer outside of Brussels, in that area of, of Belgium. They didn't think it was possible. Um, but now you have Allagash trying it, and successfully, it's a very good beer. Yeah, and then Jolly Pumpkin, theirs is actually airborne spontaneously fermented. They're in, you know, Dexter, um, Michigan. So... Well, there's many different strains, the same bacteria, the same yeast. Right. So it's like you got lacto, lactobacillus, and you've got Britannomyces, and you might have strain A out in, you know, Belgium, but you have it everywhere in the world. Any, anybody could, with the experience and the knowledge, could make this beer. And, the, you know, the, the equipment and the tools. Yeah. But nobody's really doing it except for the Belgians, so, you know. Some people in Maine and some people in Michigan and some guy out in Sonoma County. You'd also have to have the right temperature. You got temperature, you have um, local conditions. You know, are you right next to a manure plant? You know, or are you right next to a big industrial city? Or are you out in the country? I mean, there's a, are you by apple orchards? Are you by whatever? I mean, there's lots of different, you know, scenarios that can go into what's in the air. At a certain time of year, a certain time of day. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, the, the Lambic producers in Belgium have been doing it for centuries, and they've got you know, you go to see those breweries and cobwebs and three inches of dust, and you know, and it's sort of it's literally centuries of funk built up that is you know, kind of part of the part of the beer, and, and this one almost tastes. I mean, you can almost almost tell that it's new, like it's mm -hmm. like that. That funk is still developing in that area, you know, and it's also very difficult to do two different things in the same brewery, you know, to produce wild funk at the same time that you want clean other flavors you're making and, and non-spontaneously fermented beers. That's, and dangerous. That's a very, it's a very dangerous and very difficult task to pull off to right. get both of those going at the same time. You know, both, before I did this podcast, I talked to both um, Allagash and Russian River and uh, one of the things that um, Vinny, the owner of Russian River, said is that basically they have two of everything. 
two of the hoses, two the gaskets, the washers, everything that goes from the mash tun to you know the fermenters to the hot water tank to you know the hoses that connect them to the gaskets on those hoses. They have two of everything. It says it's extremely expensive. It's the only way that they could stop their you know Pliny the Younger from tasting like you know a newborn supplication or <laughs> you know you know basically contaminating the beers because a lot of especially since Russian River is actually doing sour mashes in the same mash tun that they're brewing everything else and you're talking bacteria I mean that's why you're doing a sour mash is to get an immense amount of bacteria growth in the beer before you start to ferment it and uh it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous came to play. You know, and there's a lot of breweries that won't even allow you know, Britannomyces in, yep. which is a lot easier to maintain and clean up after. But that slight chance that you might get something in a fermenter if you're running at capacity um, and you all of a sudden you have an infection in your fermenter, I mean you're talking 20 barrels of beer, 50 barrels of beer, 200 barrels of beer. Can't do anything with it except... You could throw your production schedule off for weeks. Depending on what you're making. So there's a lot of breweries that won't touch it. And, you know, some breweries that dabble in it, like Brooklyn. I I know you guys have done one thing with Wild One. Right, with Wild One, yeah. Yeah. Um, But there's a lot of breweries that won't touch it. And a lot of breweries that Jolly Pumpkin, all they want to do is sour beers. That's all they want to do. So... (laughs) You know, Allagash is kind of in between, Russian River's in between, you know, they want to do both and also, you know, more mainstream styles of beer and so forth, so it's very interesting. All right, Uh, the next one here we're going to do is called Cherise, which is French for cherry, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) See. Uh, basically, this is made um, with some local Maine cherries. Uh, we talked about briefly a couple minutes ago how they want to do pretty much everything they can locally, you know, support local industry and so forth. And this is uses Montmorency cherries. So they're a strain of. Oof, I wanted a little more combination. Um, a strain of tart cherries. Courtesy of the sugar from the fruit juice. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to see right Pouring up the nose head. Yes. You'll also notice something interesting about this beer. It's clear. It's clear. They, um... Or almost, but it's certainly <laughs> much more filtered than the other ones. Not only that, it's, a uh, um, you know, made with red cherries. What color is the beer? It's not quite red. <laughs> it's golden. So, Jason, um... The brewmaster there made a joke, uh, calling this the uh, Albino Creek. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. shock there, huh, buddy? Yeah. So, I don't know the ABV on any of these. I think they're around seven percent, um, but they're not really entirely sure, as well. I mean, these aren't production release beers. They haven't really had a need to necessarily find out. Um, what they were. Seven would be a safe arena to play in, you know. It's yeah. where a lot of these guys end up. You know, but for for a creek, I don't want to say creek, but uh, you know, a, a cherry, spontaneous beer. It's actually very golden in color. It's a slight tint of red. I know yours is very clear, Eric, and mine is. Yeah, well, mine was like the first pour <laughs> yeah. right at the top. So there's right? a little so bit here if you. Yeah. I, I listen. I listen to the podcast as I look at the, look at the notes. Not necessarily a, a typical cherry aroma. It's got kind of almost a cherry pie, slightly spicy, and but this is made with ninety percent two-year-old spontaneous beer and ten percent six-month-old beer, and once again the little bit of six uh, six-month-old is. Basically, just used to try to build up that carbonation in the beer. It does have this spiciness, spicy, you know, cherry pie kind of oven baked on the nose. A little curry on the palate. Yeah, yeah. 
Let's do that. It's cinnamon. Because my first sip, I was just like, this is cherry flavored Indian food. (laughs) (laughs) I don't eat a lot of curry, so I don't really know that flavor too well. But uh, to me, I get uh, it's like um, cherry, and then you said cinnamon, and cinnamon, like that kind of like a spicy, you know, kind of earthy spice. There's definitely a spiciness in the nose. I've been trying to kind of figure out what that yeah, the nose is pretty nose funky. is, but it's definitely that it almost kind of gets in your nose there a little little zing to it. It's almost like cherry pie with the crust on the nose. Once again, very tart, but not like acidic sour. Yeah, certainly not like like batch three was. No, I find these more bitter than sour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was almost some like anise kind of to this kind of that. Um, like a little bit of licorice sort of mm-hmm. that you get yeah. like not you know not sweet licorice but sort of that dry anise flavor to it so I mean I said that they used local main cherries and apparently these were the only tart cherries available in southern Maine so they bought them all <laughs> for the, the, this poor little orchard I have a cherry tree in my yard what kind of cherries Rainier's and when you pick them and they're not ripe yet, that's what you get. Is that kind of bitter. But then you keep eating them. Because <laughs> <laughs> even though they're bitter, it's still good. <laughs> you really get that crust down. Yeah. Your, your crust is just spitting the pie. It's kind of kind of funny, that tall cherry pie in this beer without necessarily trying to be like a cherry pie. I'm also kind of surprised at the color. Here's a funny question. I'm just going to throw this out there. But uh, is Pretendomyces the only wild yeast that finds its way into these beers? Or are there other yeasts that, you know, uh, you're, you're leaving they, a window they, open that anything could just right, they, decide they, to walk in? They don't know what's in these beers. Um, there's a graduate student at uh, UC Davis who's doing some work um, I, with Allagash and I think Russian River too, trying to figure out what's in these beers. They don't know. One of the things I read once um, that one of the Cantillons had, um, I think it was 97 strains of yeast and several hundred strains of bacteria in it. I mean, so who knows what's in there? Whether or not all those yeasts and bacteria are actually contributing to the flavor, mm. that's another question as well. I don't know. Um, I think part of the art is not knowing. It's just throwing it out there and seeing what sticks. It's, that's part of the art. Spaghetti to the wall? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Pickle race? <laughs> so, but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, they don't. Could be anything. I mean, Allagash specifically, they don't know what's in it. And, you know, they said they don't even know if the, the breath they're using is actually bread. Um, they've cultured a wild yeast that infected one of their tanks, which they've never analyzed, but the flavors have turned out great. So, <laughs> you know, why spend the money? Well, looks like a bread, smells like a bread. Probably is a bread, you know, but, you know, there's that technical part. Has it actually been proven by a lab to be Britannomyces? Unless, too, I could also see a little bit more carbonation. Technically, this is more enjoyable than the, uh, the first three. I like the first three, but I find this one easier to drink and a little... I like, I like that carbonation. It's not a lot, but it's just enough where it really... I go back to my favorite, playing on the tongue, you know. I think I would like more just so it kind of leaves my mouth a little quicker. You know, because I still get that cherry flavor kind of just coating my teeth and... I kind of... F- I find the finish on this one to be a little short. I almost prefer, like, the Russian River Batch 2 myself. That's a little bit more my speed. Well, the Russian rivers to me taste much closer to the classic Belgian kind of goodness. Yeah. Um, you know, these taste, you know, like a like an in-process version, a newer version, which they admittedly are. Like they right. said, I mean, they're still you, you, you playing mean, with them and trying to figure it out. And you can almost tell that. I, mean, I think Russian River's been doing this for a lot longer. And also, the and barrels uh, that they're using were already inoculated with cultured wild yeast strains. Right. Um, so the the 
the so Pediococcus and Lactobacillus yeah. and Britannomyces that are in there actually came from, you know, real cultures. Right. Um, so, so those were, you know, the typical strains, or not typical, but the, you know, the one that we're accustomed to mm -hmm. uh, as far as the flavor going. And these are, the Allagash ones are really wild, unknown mm. at this point. Right. So, it is a interesting to, to taste the two side by side and really get that sense of this actually is a new beer. It's something new. It's something different. And I wish we had the lamb mix, uh, the Jolly Pumpkin, because that is also 100% airborne inoculated nice. to, to see what a Michigan strain would be like. And the, the one thing to note, these are two-year-old, and the uh, Alambicus dexterus is actually a four-year-old, a blend of four-year-old and two-year-old, I believe. And, you know, Jolly Pumpkin, they're only been around for, I think, five years. And they've been making a Lambic-style beer since the first day they opened their doors in the intent of, you know, commercial release of it. So last one here, Jason recommended drinking this one last. He says it was probably the most intense out of the three. Uh, this is made with, um, well, it's called Cool Ship Red. And if you look in the bottle, it looks red even through the green uh, and it's made with local Maine raspberries I said uh, <laughs> I'm eating raspberries for days <laughs> I mean basically you said the raspberries that came in here were put into this beer probably about three to four hours after they were picked so you're talking super fresh raspberries <laughs> we got we got brags. My followers get jealous. Right, what you mean, there. we Kimosabi? Oh, you're one of my followers, and are you there? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, all sixteen of your followers. <laughs> I've doubled down to thirty. You got twice as many as I do. There you go. Well, I'm following you, so don't worry. <laughs> wow, this is all raspberry in the nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, brings me back to my childhood. <laughs> I, I grew up in in Bangor, Maine, and. What we had in our backyard was just bushes of raspberries, and I'd come home and you know my to my arms would be sliced up from all the uh, briars on the on the raspberry bushes. And I moved into my house a couple months ago. We had uh, I still have them, huge line of raspberry bushes. If you want some local New Jersey raspberries for your own bro, let me know. You gotta fight the bears for I'm, it. I'm not gonna be putting fruit in my beer for quite some time, so. You could start uh, New Jersey's first uh, wild <laughs> wild fermentation beer. <laughs> you know, I've got, a, I've got a bedroom upstairs I'm not using. You could uh, leave right. the window open, set up your cool shit. <laughs> Just think what you'd get in the Passaic air. <laughs> I'm in Morris. I'm in hey, Morris. You do pretty well. I made beer from snow, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did that come out? It's still fermenting. Because oh, I used um, uh, this strain of yeast that uh, supposedly came from uh, Cantheon. So it's, it's going to be a sour beer, for sure. But anyways, um, so this is Cool Ship Red. It's red. Yeah, they weren't lying. Weren't lying. It's very red. A bright red, fruit punch red. Smells of raspberries. It's Kool-Aid beer. It's got this nice, like, minty undertone in the aroma. Once again, this is made with 90% two-year-old spontaneous beer and 10% six-month-old. I like how the raspberries mm. got the, a little funk right behind it. Out, out of the three, this is the first one that's actually starting to verge into kind of sour territory. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the raspberries already being quite tart to begin with. But, uh, you know, because it's the same base beer as the other two. So, I mean, you talk about the difference. Either the barrels that it came out of were a little bit different, or it's the raspberries. Maybe my palate's shot, but I'm getting a little grapefruit on this. But then again, maybe my palate's shot. I don't think your palate's shot. There's a little bit of that grapefruitiness to it, but it's underneath the raspberry. The raspberry's 
<laughs> really right, right up front. Up front. <clears throat> yeah, for how much raspberries in the nose, it, it doesn't have nearly as much in the in the in the taste as you'd expect. Yeah, they think uh, for both these beers, um, the raspberries and the cherries sat on the beer for three months mm -hmm. before they bottled. I don't know if they crushed the raspberry, uh, the cherries or not. Uh, you know, I'm not sure the entire process, but. Uh, you know, I imagine the raspberries would dissolve into the beer a lot faster. Now, see if they threw in the raspberries unwashed, that would be different. Yeah, I don't know what the process was. Don't a lot of them? Don't a lot of them do that? A lot of the Belgian ones, don't they just and then make a front block or right into? Right, but in other words, here, I mean, the raspberries not part of the experiments. It's an addition to. It's almost a control. Mm. Raspberry is the experiment. Why do you, why do you say it's the control? Because it's it's the known quantity. You know what you're going to get. That you have raspberries in it. Yeah, you're going to get. You know you're going to generate a raspberry flavor to the beer. Right. Okay. Well, all right. I see that. I mean, the, the, all these are an experiment. Yeah, of course. You know. That's interesting. It makes you wonder if they did wash the uh, the raspberries before they. In because in Belgium that's fairly common to not wash them, just go right in. And now, if I can the leaf, the stem, the whole everything, <laughs> the dirt, <laughs> the roots, well, there's, all kinds of, there's all kinds of cool things going on in those raspberries, the leaves, the dirt, everything. So well, you know what? There. I made shine with raspberries once. Just oh. in Virginia. You have to edit that part out. <laughs> What's in the past is in the past. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's the statute of limitations, right? I'll, I'll have to ask uh, whether or not they actually washed the, the raspberries. I, I'm sure they probably rasped, washed, at least washed them off. Quick rinse. But I don't know if they did anything further than that. be interesting to find out. Because this, of the three, this one is actually starting to verge into that sour territory. You know, it's much more upfront than the other two were. The other ones have a lot more bitter, a lot more tartness going for them. This one really has a lot more of the sour. I still all three the same amount of carbonation in them. I think uh, for me personally I would have liked a little bit more carbonation on all of them. I don't know what you guys feel. I kind of like the carbonation on the last two. A little bit lower? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cool Ship number two was almost no carbonation at all. Yeah. Um, but the addition of it, or the re-emergence of it, if you will, in, in nine and three, really kind of brought a nice balance to the beer without, you know, taking too much and you know too much away from the flavors of it. I would have liked to see a little bit more just to kind of clean it off my my cheeks and my teeth a little bit faster than the the lingering I got. I think it's a good start for, for Allagash, all three of them. Like, you know, as we get higher up in numbers, you know, like we start getting up to like, you know, batch 30, batch 40s, like all these higher numbers. I think you're going to start to see more of the carbonation. I think as far as they're on the right track. This is the first, this is the first they've ever bottled of these beers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're really talking about, this is the birth of this beer. I mean, we're drinking the first of the beers that they ever made. They did bring these over to Belgium for the night of Great Thirst, and um, they were well received from, from what I heard and saw. They, they do um, remind me of like young, like young beer souls, you know, uh, like the, the, the Creek and the, and the Oud, the, the Goose, they, they're very, very much on the right track. They, once they hit their stride, they're gonna be making great sours. You know, great lambic style or American spontaneous wild, whatever we're going to end up calling it on beer rate advocate. <laughs> beer rate advocate forum thing? Yeah, whatever <laughs> they call it now. Um, as as they come, you know, it's like the Belgian IPAs, as soon as they hit their stride, they're going to be great beers. They're the Galagash, as soon as they get, as soon as they keep, they keep working on it, they're going to have a, a winner. Well, that's all the uh, spontaneous beer that we have. That's good. It was a nice experience. I'm ready to eat. Yeah. <laughs> What's your dinner, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> I get a little bit of cheese here to finish up. Yeah. 
Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you guys for thank you. joining me, Mike, for, for hosting us here at Passion A. Thanks, Mike. John, yeah, thank you. Kevin, and Eric, thank, thank you, you for, for joining. and uh, inviting us. I'm glad. I couldn't just drink these myself. I mean, these were... I guess I could have. Yeah, I was going to say, you could have. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I, I wanted to share. I feel privileged for the invite, you know. Uh, I, I really wanted to share these. I thought they were, you know, Gallagash was generous enough to send them to me. And, you know, so I wanted to share it with as many people as I could. And, you know, five people is about all you could get out of, you know, 375 milliliter bottles. So. Well, I think it's also quite impressive that Rob's, you know, throwing himself out to sort of public opinion like that on a beer that, as he states, is still totally in progress. So it's yeah. a pretty ballsy move on his part. It is, and that, I think he's got a lot of confidence. To, and to, to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's great. And he's got a lot of confidence in his beer, and a lot of confidence in Jason, his brewmaster, you know, who's putting together this stuff. And I did ask him about if they're going to make a blueberry beer. Um, <laughs> Rob said, hell no. And uh, he's like, but I think Jason already did. So, <laughs> you know, Maine and blueberries kind of go hand in hand. Had to ask. Uh, but nonetheless, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, this is uh, Simply Beer Podcast. You can catch more Simply Beer co- podcasts on simplybeer.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, any other social media place out there you can think of email whatever thanks a lot and have a good night